Good morning, Harvest family, and welcome to our live stream. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alyssa. I'm the admin here in the office. Um, we really do miss gathering together in person this morning, and we certainly still miss all of those of you who have not yet been able to come back um, to our in-person gathering. So we really look forward to the day when we can do that again together in full. Um, there are links in the description below, including song lyrics for today and bingo sheets uh, for kids. If you're joining us for the first time this morning, um, there's also a link to our connection card as well as other resources. Um, we've had a lot of people putting so much work into live streaming, and we've been working on that for a few months, but actually this is only the third time, I believe, that we've um, used the camera and gotten going, so we're still working out some bugs. Um, if you have any issues, feel free to use the live chat to let us know, and we'll do the best that we can on our end today uh, to solve those problems. Um, you can also use the live chat if you would like to just say hello and let us know that you're joining us this morning um, or encourage one another. Um, if you didn't know, the youth group did have to cancel this last Wednesday because of the smoke and wind. Um, this coming Wednesday, they will be uh, meeting. They'll be inside if it's still smoky, and they'll be outside one last time if it's not uh, smoky, and um, they will come inside on September 23rd uh, moving forward for the fall. We are optimistic that we'll still be able to have our outdoor movie night this coming Friday, September 18th. And we will let you know if anything changes with that. But for now, the plan is to start at 7.30 and we'll show a family-friendly movie. Uh, so bring your chairs and blankets and your favorite movie snacks. Um, and this is an invitation to everyone and anyone um, of all ages. So we're just hoping it'll be a fun time together uh, that evening. And last but not least, um, the staff and elders have been making plans for moving forward to come inside for services toward the end of this month, and we do need a couple of things from you. So first, uh, we'll need you to complete a survey that I'll send out to you hopefully later this week. Um, and by filling that out, you'll be serving us um, so that we know how to best plan um, and in turn be able to serve you uh, as best as we can in this season. So if you have kiddos at home, there is a separate survey that we'll also be sending out. Um, so keep an eye out for that in your email, and it'll be online as well. Um, and please fill that out, even if you don't plan to come back yet. Um, that'll really, really help us out. And second, moving inside will create a whole new um, set of volunteers that we'll need. So we'll need uh, help with live streaming. We'll need sound techs, uh, teachers for kids' classes, um, people to help clean up a little bit between the services, as well as a welcome team. So lots of opportunities to serve there. Um, and by next week, we should have an easy way for you to sign up for one of those things. So in the meantime, I would just encourage you to take some time this week to pray and consider how you might uh, serve and participate in the church body. Um, so as we continue our time of worship, I'd like to invite the band to come up um, and invite you to meditate on God's word with me as I read Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. 
This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Will you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Every day, every hour, we need you. And it's in you that we find our strength, not in ourselves and not in the elusive comforts of this world. Help us to fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our mighty Savior, our humble King. And let us urge each other to exalt your name together and behold with wonder your goodness. May we taste and see that you are good. Help us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as you forgave us in Christ. Thank you that you have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. May we long for your glory, justice, righteousness, and mercy to be known in our lives our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our nation, and in our world. Prepare our hearts now, Lord, to come before you in humility, surrender, and worship. May our eyes see, our ears hear, and our hearts know truth, and may we reflect you to this world with our gospel words and actions. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As we sing together, let's just gear our hearts to fix our affections on Jesus and our attentions on the God who saves, the God who rescues, and the God who ultimately will save us eternally in the end. All I am, Lord, 
here before you reaching out for more you're the promise and never failing you are my reward you are my reward all i am lord here before you reaching out for more you're the promise never failing you are my reward you are my reward and I let go of all I have just to have all of you and no matter what the cost I will follow you Jesus everything I've lost I have found in you when I finally reach the end I'll say you are worth it all there's no riches earthly treasure that will satisfy every Everything I've lost, I have found in you. When I finally reach the end, I'll say, You are worth it all. You are worth it all. glorious presence every knee is bowed before you hear the sound of heaven singing you are worth it all all the saints cry holy holy angels singing worthy worthy forever i will shout your praises you are worth it all when I'm there in your glorious presence, every knee is bowed before you. 
hear the sound of heaven singing you are worth it all all the saints cry holy holy angels singing worthy worthy forever i will shout your praises you are worth it all you are worth it all i let go of all i have just to have all of you and no matter what the cost will follow you jesus everything i've lost i have found when i finally reach the end i'll say you are worth it all you are worth it all thank you that you are God with us. And as we're spread out right now in our different homes and different places, Lord, we recognize that by your Spirit, we are your church. We are your body, Lord. And we thank you that you are the God who has revealed himself to us through your word, that you've revealed yourself in creation, that you've revealed yourself through your people, and that you've given of us your spirit so that we might have access to the Father, that we might see Christ. This morning, Lord, as it's weird looking at a screen, um, as it's just different even than being able to gather together outside, we, we recognize that this isn't as good as it gets, God. That this isn't what you intended when you, when you created all things. This, this brokenness in your, your creation being destroyed and just all, all the evil that exists in our world that we've just seen the layers of that peel back more and more. And yet we, we look ahead to the day where you, the great Redeemer, will redeem all things. That when you come back, Jesus, that, that ultimately you will be the just judge. But that also for all those that know you, every, every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Our sin will be remembered no more. And you will make all things new. And we recognize in this moment right now, we need you to make all things new. And as we open to First Peter again, God, would you be continuing to sanctify us to make us new as we see more of who you are and who you call us to be as your people. Thank you for the last couple weeks, God, where you've just made it abundantly clear that you are a God that wants the lost to come to know you. And that you invite us into that, Lord, to live lives that reflect the God that we follow so that, so that many might be saved. As we dive into more uh, texts this morning, along those ends, God, would you be with Greg? By your spirit, would you speak? Would the words just leap off the pages to us because your word is alive and active? God, even as we're sitting in our living rooms or 
our dining rooms or in our bedroom and we're listening to this, we recognize that you are the God that's with us and that you are the God drawing us to yourself. We want to hear you speak, Lord. We want to hear what you have for us and how, how you may convict us or encourage us or challenge us to live as your people. Thank you, God, for being good in all things, all the time. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, um, this is really strange. This is not how I imagined coming back into the building on a Sunday. I'm, I'm glad we can live stream. I'm, I'm grateful to the people that have been helping us get this together. But I actually hope that today, as we're back in our homes, many of us have been able to gather for months now, that this would be a reminder that this isn't as good. Um, uh, to steal from a, another pastor, Jonathan Lehman, he, he says that this is less than church, right? The, 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 the church is God's people gathered, as, as God's church, we are to gather together. And um, this, this is not as good. I, I cannot tell you how encouraged I've been uh, to meet the last few months, many of us in our outdoor service, and, um, and especially the last few weeks, it seems like we've just had more people that have been able to come back, and uh, I've been blessed as I've had fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, some of which I haven't seen for months uh, before and after the service. I've been in so many conversations where, where someone's asked me a question that I needed to hear, reminded me of a truth that I needed to hear, and, and I hope, I assume, that I've been able to do the same. It's been good to talk together, to pray together, uh, to, to laugh together, to cry together. So praise God that we can do this today, um, and I'm praying for grace that, that soon uh, we'll be able to gather again. And, and, and by no means, I'm not trying to guilt anyone that has not been. I, I totally understand and respect uh, decisions to stay away for health reasons. I, 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 I get that. But I do long for the day when our, our whole church will be back together. Uh, one other announcement, and then we'll dive into our passage. Uh, we brought Scott Ro Rose before our church as an elder candidate. We asked for feedback um, the feedback that we got about Scott was, uh, was good, um, and people are for him uh, being an elder at our church. People see elder qualities in him. So I'm, I'm pleased to announce that Scott uh, is now on our elder team. I'm really grateful. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going verses 1 through 12, and originally uh, we were just going to go uh, verses 1 through 7, but I think it, it helps us as the passage continues actually beyond 7. I think it helps us um, with, with the, the broader context to understand this better. So I'll start reading. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn, uh, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way 
showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing for whoever, and we're reaching back all the way to 2.11 here. This is for all Christians, this whoever. And if you've missed the last two Sundays, I'd actually say you need to go watch those to, to get the full context with, with this. But whoever, all Christians, uh, who desire to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So last week in 2.18 through 25, that wasn't just for servants, even though that was the real life example that Peter gave us. This passage this week isn't just for wives and husbands. These principles are for all Christians. That's why we're going all the way through verse 12 today. We were discussing our passage, and originally I just had us going uh, 1 through 7. I think it was Sherry, though, that pointed out that, that when we bring in 8 and 12, and it, and it really does go that far, that it helps us see the, the broader context, that this isn't primarily a passage about marriage. For three weeks now, our passages have been concerned with Christians living godly lives that witness to those who do not yet know Jesus. So again, let's remember verses 11 and 12 in chapter 2 where all this started. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And, and I think this helps us widen the lens here to see the big picture that the focus is on glorifying God by non-Christians coming to know Jesus because of the witness of Christians. Because Christians are living godly lives that, that lead to the gospel being shared or, or supports what, what, uh, what gospel words have been spoken. But if we zoom in here too close, I think we miss the context of this passage and we begin to think that this is just a marriage thing, that Peter's just given us a quick drive-by on marriage. But marriage is the real-life example here of what Peter is calling the Christian to, that your conduct, your good works would result in others trusting in Jesus because Christians live in a way that testifies to unbelievers. We're to live lives that proclaim to anyone in the world that doesn't yet believe, which includes husbands that aren't believers. So last week, uh, it was submitting to a master that even might mistreat you. Um, you. You suffer under them unjustly in order to be a witness to them of the Christ who suffered and died in order to bear our sins to the cross, on the cross, so that instead of being dead in sin, we can live with him. And Peter, he said submit now multiple times, even before 
our, the passage we're in this week. And when he says that, he means doing what is right and good as long as it doesn't require you to disobey God. So there are times, we, we looked at a couple weeks ago, when the citizen doesn't submit to governing authority because it's, it's causing, it would cause them to disobey God. Last week, there are times when the servant doesn't submit to the master who would cause him to disobey God. This week, the wife, there are times when she shouldn't submit because it would mean disobeying God. But as Christians... We do submit by doing what is right and good as long as it, as it doesn't take us away from obedience to Christ. And this is what all Christians do. This is, this is in our DNA that we are a people that are willing to suffer like Jesus for the sake of Jesus. We submit ourselves to people not because they've done something to earn being submitted to. No, we submit so that some will see our Savior and turn to him. I loved two weeks ago in First Peter 2.16 when he writes, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So as God's people, we are so free that like Christ, we are willing to submit. We're willing to suffer so that some, in the hopes that some will see the glory of Jesus. And today, we talk about husbands and wives. And I do, I think it's really important to acknowledge that this passage has been misused. Um, and so for some of you, uh, maybe in your past, whether it's, uh, whether it's a former church or, or the family you grew up in, or, or maybe Maybe the marriage that, that, that you were in, or, or even right now, maybe uh, this passage was presented actually as having nothing to do with knowing Jesus. This passage is about the lost coming to know Christ. So even if you're not married, this passage is for you and the holy, God-centered, Christ-exalting life that Peter is calling all believers to in this section of Scripture that we've been working through now for three weeks so verse 1, likewise wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So again, Peter's given a real life example. How do we live out this, how do we do this godly living? And he starts with wives. Subject yourself to your husband. So a quick observation is uh, women aren't subjected to every man that's a husband, right? They're, they're not, this isn't all men have power over all wives. No, this is subject yourself to your own husband. Submitting, he says, even to the one who does not obey the word, which based in, in other parts of this letter, we take that to mean uh, husbands that do not trust Jesus as their Savior. They haven't obeyed, they haven't responded to the gospel message. Maybe they say they do, but there's no fruit. Or, or maybe they flat out say, no, I don't believe in Jesus. So Peter's calling the wife to submit to her husband in order to win his soul for Christ. And similar to last week, Christians, and again, this is all men, all women that profess Christ, they're to submit to their masters, even the ones that are unjust. This is what we do, believers. Christians who submit to government, who submit to masters, and even in the home, this is the way of the Christ follower. 
Throughout this letter, Peter writes to Christians about their conduct, about living godly lives, lives that are holy, set apart for the purpose of glorifying God, lives that line up with the gospel, not hypocritical lives that mar the name of Jesus. So how does this wife win him to Christ. It says that he may be won without a word by her conduct. She isn't winning him by preaching, though Peter's clear in in 123 that it's by the word that that new birth happens. Uh, He knows, he's heard that she believes in Jesus. It's not that no words are spoken, but she isn't winning him by preaching at him. She isn't winning him through apologetics or nagging him or guilting him to trust in God. It's her conduct that will win him. It's the way that she lives with him as his wife in this covenant of marriage. The way she operates in the family, in the household, even in the community. This is an honorable woman. This is a woman with excellent conduct. In verse 2, Peter says respectful and pure conduct. And this word respectful is one that Peter's used many times in the letter already. It's a word, it's the word for fear. So uh, the question is, is this a respectful fear toward her husband or is this a fear uh, towards God? And my suspicion or my conviction is um, that it's the second. In 117, he said, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, a fear of the Lord. Earlier in chapter 2, speaking about governing authorities, Peter told us to fear God and honor the emperor, right? The highest person in the land we honor, but it's God that we fear. We know uh, as we look at scripture, it's clear throughout the whole that, that our fear is of the Lord. We have this reverence for the Lord. We're not to be afraid of a person The CSB translates it uh, this way, and I think it's really helpful. It it says, when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Uh, I think that's helpful in understanding the direction of this respect, of this fear, that that it's reverence towards God. And I think that makes sense, too, with the goal, that this would be a witness to the husband. So he is able to see this reverent life of this God-fearing woman. This testifies that, that her life, all this good conduct, is because of her Savior. Verse 3 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let the adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So let's start with what this isn't saying. This isn't saying women can't dress nice, right? This isn't saying you can't own jewelry, that you can't braid your hair or color your hair or wear makeup or like shoes or anything like that. Women, be beautiful as God has made you. You can enjoy and appreciate fashion and accessories. Now, is it possible that we make external beauty an idol? Certainly. And I don't know what it was like when Peter wrote this for women, but it sounds like there's always been pressure on women to, to uh, care about the external. And that was before our age of photoshopped and airbrushed images. Today, the pressure to look externally, externally beautiful is extreme. And it's damaging to women of all ages. As a father of two girls, I hate the pressure that I know my daughters are growing up with. 
a good question for us to ask really about anything in life is, am I making this thing an idol? And women could certainly ask that here. Men could ask that here. Am I too focused on external appearance? Am I obsessed with how my body looks? Do I care too much about what that scale reads? Uh, do I care too much about my hair or my shoes? Do I spend as much time uh, adorning the internal person, the hidden person of the heart, as I do the external? So Peter isn't saying you can't dress up. He is saying that uh, external beauty may have won your husband over to you, but that will not win him, that will not win his soul to Christ. Right? This is internal beauty, the hidden person of the heart. This is character stuff, right? Not a flawless complexion, not, not hair color or high heels. This is imperishable, imperishable beauty, as he says in verse 4, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And this word gentle is a really rare word. I believe it's only used three other times in the New Testament, all in Matthew. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew, blessed are the meek, right, or the gentle. Um, in Matthew 11, he says, uh, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Um, in Matthew 21, the, the triumphal entry, uh, when quoting Zechariah, it says this, it says, behold, your king is coming to you, humble or gentle, and mounted on a donkey. So this word gentle here, this is who Jesus is. He is gentle. He is humble and lowly. So this is a call to all Christ followers, men and women, married and single. Even in some of the early church writings, this exact word was used as a requirement for church officials, for deacons and elders. In order to qualify, they had to, they had to be described as this way. Quiet spirit. I don't know if maybe for some of you that, that, that's a trigger word. Um, this doesn't mean that women can't speak. Uh, this is a woman who is peaceful. This word means still. I heard one pastor um, describe it as, as a, a woman that, that is serene. Uh, so I picture uh, like a, a lake or a pond and the surface is just, it's still, it's glassy. Right? Even, if, even if everything around it is chaos, even if there's lots of wind, this, this woman has a calmness about her. And I hope you realize that Peter's describing a woman that is very strong. We talked about this last week a little bit, that being subject to the unjust master and suffering under them can uh, look like weakness, but it's actually a strength by God's grace as we trust in God. And I think it's similar here. Peter isn't describing a weak woman under her husband. No, this is a godly woman. This is a woman whose hope is in God. And we wrongly equate submission with weakness. And Peter's been clear. Jesus is our example. He submits to the Father. He submitted to unjust suffering. Is Christ weak? No, by no means. No, Christ demonstrates um, by his submission, actually his strength, that he's strong enough to submit because he entrusted himself to God. His hope was in God. Is our hope in God? I hope you see how beautiful this inner person, this hidden person of the heart is. And if somehow you don't, Peter says, this is very precious in God's sight. 
You want to live a life that's pleasing to Him? This is, this is the kind of woman you're to be. Verse 5. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Right? This is how the holy women adorned themselves, these gentle, peaceful women who were pure in conduct, whose hope was not in the external things, but they hoped in God, adorning themselves by submitting to their husbands. And he gives the example of Sarah calling him Lord. And my guess is there's not a single wife in our church that calls her husband Lord. I know my wife doesn't. So when does Sarah do this? It's Genesis 18 that, that she calls him Lord. And it, it, it's really interesting to me that Peter chooses this. This is when God sends these messengers to Abraham and says, Hey, in a, year, uh, in a year's time, uh, your wife is going to have a son. I'm going to give you guys a son. And, and keep in mind, they're super old at this point. They're way beyond childbearing years. Um, they haven't had a kid yet. So verse 12 says, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Okay, this is where she calls him Lord. It, it goes on, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So this is the story Peter references here. I like this story. It's obviously in the Bible for a reason. It's key that God gave Abraham and Sarah this promised son. But this is the submitting story. I've thought, I've meditated on this, and here are two observations that I hope are helpful Sarah calls Abraham my Lord, not in a moment when submitting is this massive crossroads in her life. Like, will she submit to her husband or not? There are times in Sarah and Abraham's story where, where you wonder as a reader, are you going to go with this plan that Abraham concocted? But this isn't one of those times. She calls him my Lord when he isn't even listening. She doesn't think anyone is listening. She's just talking to herself and calls him my Lord. It just rolls off the tongue. And what this tells me is Sarah was so okay with submitting in a godly way to Abraham that my Lord just came out when she's talking to herself. Now, I don't know for Sarah if there was a time where she wrestled with, where, where it was hard for her to submit. But in this moment, she is so good with it, so at peace with it, that it's just a normal part of, of everyday life for her. Second observation, we see in this story, Sarah is not perfect. Peter tells us she's a, a godly woman, she's a holy woman, meaning set apart for the purpose of God. But in this story, we see that she has a hard time trusting that God could do what he promised he would do. Right? He promised something that seemed impossible to her, so much so that she laughs out loud. And then when confronted, she lies. She tries to lie to God. No, no, I didn't laugh. In Hebrews 11, which is kind of the faith hall of fame in Scripture, it says uh, in verse 11, by faith, Sarah... Uh, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. 
So Peter holds up this woman, Sarah, as an example. But I don't want you to be intimidated by her and and think, no, I, I cannot be godly like Sarah. She put her hope in God, even though her initial reaction is there's no way this could happen. Right? Peter, Peter's saying, no, this is a good example for you. You can be like her, her not by your own doing, but by God's grace. He, he'll make you godly. He'll help you to live a, a godly life. And it's always by God, God's grace that he grows us. God supplies what we need when we need it for what he calls us to do. And do you trust that God will supply what is needed in order for you to put your hope in him. When he calls us to suffer unjustly, to submit, he'll give us the strength that we need. When he calls us to trust him for something, something that seems so far out of reach, he he gives us what we need in that moment. So Sarah went from laughing out loud at God's promise to having faith that God would do exactly what he said he would do. She didn't do that on her own. God gave her what she needed. And God will give us what we need to live godly lives in in the hopes of winning souls to Christ. Let's move on. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And you might wonder, why do the men just get one verse after women get six verses? And in these last three weeks here, Peter has focused on a relationship, and he's focused on the person in the relationship that is more likely to be mistreated, more likely to be taken advantage of, more likely to suffer. The the women were facing more. These wives were facing more than these husbands. And Peter wanted to make sure that his sisters in Christ were encouraged. He wanted them to be equipped with what would help them to stand firm in God's grace, like Peter will say in 5.12. The Bible is uh, too easily dismissed as a book that is not pro-women. However, God, through Peter here, he's taking time to make sure that these godly women have what they need, that they are not an afterthought. They're not forgotten about. God wants these women to be fearless in the face of of suffering for the name of Jesus, in the face of submitting so that uh, souls can be won to him. So he says to husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And this means according to knowledge. Okay, so when, uh, when you start dating, uh, you, you, you study the, this woman that you are dating. You want to know uh, what makes her tick, what, what she likes, what she's good at, what's hard for her. Uh, as you get married, and, and it seems like the longer you're married, it's easy to kind of put things on cruise control, a, a lot of things in marriage. But one of the ways, husbands, that, that we need to not Um, put it on cruise control, is is we need to continue to grow in knowing and understanding uh, your wife, right? Do you know her? Do you know how God has gifted her uniquely? Do you know what she's good at, where she excels? Do you know what she needs? Do you know what helps her, what helps her to to flourish and, and thrive? You need to live in this good, understanding way as her husband to love her. He tells us that, that, we are, um, <clears throat> that we are to show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And, and this, uh, this could trigger some people. 
This is talking about physical weakness here. That generally, um, men and women, the way we're made physically, that most men will be stronger than most women. There are exceptions, obviously. But this isn't some uh, spiritual thing here. This isn't a slant on women, right? This is not a value statement. It doesn't mean that women are spiritually weaker, that, that a, a woman can't pray as, as deeply as a man can pray, or that a woman can't understand a passage that a man can understand. Um, no, God has designed it this way for a reason. There's this physical difference. So this is not a value statement. Women are just as equally created in the image of God. And men, husbands, you're supposed to honor them. Right, so we're, we're supposed to be protectors. I joked last week about that whole story with the, the husband and wife and the shark attack and not knowing if I would try and attack the shark to save my wife. Man, I, I, I need to, right? I, I need to, no matter how afraid I am, I, I need to, to honor my, my wife in that way. He goes on, he says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And, and I think this part is really easy to blow by. Um, I don't know about your household, um, but when, when my wife and I pass someday, uh, all four of our kids are getting an equal part of whatever we have left. Uh, but that was not the case when Peter wrote this. Right? The sons, they're the ones that got hooked up. And the oldest son got the double portion of the inheritance. So for us, we read this like, oh yeah, of course, the, the, the wife as, as a daughter of God is, is a co-heir. No, man, this was an unbelievable statement. This, this did not happen this way. So, so for Peter to say, hey, this wife of yours, man, she's a co-heir, right? And, and what do we inherit? Man, Scripture tells us we inherit the earth. So you, husbands, your wife, she's an heiress of the world. Treat her as such. And he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The, the prayer of a righteous man, we're told in James, is powerful and effective. Do you expect God, do you hope that God will answer your prayers? Well, husbands, it's not looking good when you're not a godly husband to your wife. You, you, you certainly should not expect that God's going to answer your prayers as you sin against your wife. And we'll see in verse 12 what he says here about the, the ear of the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Let's keep going. Verse 8, he says, finally, all of you, and, and this is why I want to bring this in, right? All of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all in this together, this godly living so that the world may see the excellencies of God, so that, so that they can see our good works and glorify God. So this isn't just a husband's thing. This isn't just a wives thing. This, is, this isn't just for servants or, or citizens under the government. This is all believers everywhere of all time. He says, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And this kind of feels like Philippians 2 to me here a bit. Peter's telling the church, be of the same mind, believers. Love each other like a family loves, right? Like, like brothers love one another, like sisters love one another. We're to have sympathy for each other. When we see a brother or sister that's hurting, we hurt with them. We have hearts that are tender towards one another. We notice one another. We, we're humble in our minds towards one another. 
do you live like this short description here towards people in our church? If you haven't been able to come and, and gather with our church as we've been outside for the last few months, I'd ask you, how are you living out these things in our body still? Are you reaching out to other Christians, uh, even if you haven't been reached out to first? For all of us, uh, who do we struggle within our own body, with, with, with believers? Who do we struggle to treat in these ways? Verse 9, he says, Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. blessing. We're not to lash back. And don't get revenge. No, bless. This is what you were called to be, is, is a dispenser of God's blessing. You've been blessed in order for you to be a blessing everywhere you go, even when someone wrongs you, even when they do not deserve to be submitted to. Bless, and you will be rewarded. You will obtain a blessing. And then Peter goes on to quote from Psalm 34 that Alyssa read earlier. And the context here is David was on the run, right? So he was in exile. He, he was in Philistine territory, the enemies. He, he pretends to be crazy, right? He, he, he pretends to have this mental health issue so that the king will leave him alone and it works. God uses it. And David rejoices at the provision of God, that God is near the brokenhearted, that he blesses the person who takes refuge in God. So he says, for whoever, right, all Christians, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil, right? Turn from evil. Don't, don't mess with evil. Don't flirt with sin. Don't see how close you can get to the line without sin. No, turn from evil, he says, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 11, he said, do good, and he keeps this command up. We've heard this time after time. It's been repeated in every section. It's applied to all Christians. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how we live matters. We've been called to bless, to do good, not evil. We've been called to submit all over the place in life with the hope that we would win souls to Christ. We are the free people of God who, who submit, who serve so that others will come to know him. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Um, God, it, this is hard for us, Lord. Uh, it, it's, it's hard for us to submit ourselves. It, it's hard for us. We don't want to uh, we don't want to have people think that we are weak. We don't want to listen to what others uh, tell us to do. God, we want to be our own people. But I'm so grateful, Lord, that Peter reminded us in last week's passage the example of Christ who suffered and died for us willingly, willingly, so that, that we could know him, so that our soul could be one to God. And it wasn't just an example, but that, that he actually died in our place. That he substituted himself for us, taking on the death that we deserve to die. So Jesus, would, would, you, would you give us a heart for people that do not know you? Lord, I, I, pray for, uh, I pray for husbands and wives 
right now. They're living in a marriage where their husband or their wife does not know you. Lord, would their hope be in you? And would you help them to live a godly life, a life that, that, that is reverent towards you? And I pray, Lord, that that, that that would win their spouse to Christ. Lord, we pray that, that our hearts would long for the lost to come to know you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to conclude our time with some worship, just a couple songs. And, and I know from being someone who was a viewer at home to watching the live stream or watching the recorded service that um, worship singing-wise is just strange in, some, in, in a lot of ways when, when we're streaming live at home. And my guess is a lot of us don't sing out loud with um, the band, whoever's leading, and that's totally okay. Um, how I want to really view this time is still that our fix and our gaze would, would be on, on God, would be on, on Christ. And so in that, there's a couple different things that you could do during this time. Maybe it's good to just have some still space where, where, where maybe the worship's going on in the background, but you just need to be still with the Lord, and you need to pray about these things. Either look back over the notes you took or, or read through that passage in First Peter again and continue to just sink your teeth into it with God. And say, God, what, what are you showing me about who you are and who you're calling to me, who, who you're calling me to be? as your son or as um, your daughter. Um, maybe it's good to have a conversation with the person that's in, uh, in the same space, your same household, uh, about what, what you just heard or, or about how you want to respond together as God's people. And maybe you do want to sing with us, and that is great, or just to listen to the words and reflect on, on who God is and his goodness that we're proclaiming. This first song that we're doing is, is, is a new song, um, but it's also an old song as well. It's one that we, I think the last time we did it was like 2017, but this is a newer updated version. Uh, and, and the first line is, is, Come ye sinners poor and needy. And I'm actually reading a book about marriage right now. Um, it's called What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp. And he's talked a lot about, man, when, when you see sin in your spouse's life, a good response is first to remember the sin that exists in you. Um, and, and it's been so helpful for me during this time in our world, not just as a husband, but as a Christ follower, as I look around and see brokenness after brokenness, evil after evil, that the same sin that exists out in the world still exists in me. And I'm still just as poor and needy of a Savior as I was when I first placed my trust in Jesus, and yet with that, he has saved me from that sin and continues to save me, to save us and sanctify us, to make us new. So as we sing this, that, let's keep that in mind, that, that even though this world is so broken, that, that God deals with the brokenness that is in our hearts, and we need him to continually do that over and over again as we draw near to him. sinners poor and needy weak and wounded sick and sore 
Jesus ready stands to save you with compassion, love, and power. Come ye thirsty to the fountain. Come and find his goodness here. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you near. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me as his own. And in the arms of my Savior, in his life Savior, there is life 
Jesus cross on which the prince of glory died my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I, uh, I do thank you that uh, you've given us the resources so that we could at least do this today. Uh, I miss my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Lord, I would love it. I'd love it if we could, could get back together in person next week. Um, Lord, we, we pray for rain. God, I thank you that there's multiple days of rain in the forecast. I, I pray uh, for these firefighters, uh, for, for the people trying to contain these and, and, and beat these fires down. We keep these men and women safe, Lord. Will you help them to be successful? God, I pray for excellent conditions for them to fight these fires. I pray for um, everyone that's had to evacuate their homes, for people that have lost, I mean, some, like almost every possession that they have. God, I thank you for that, that psalm that we read today, that you're near the brokenhearted, the crushed in spirit. I pray, God, that you would use this to draw people to yourself. Lord, I pray that, that your, your people, your church, would, would live godly lives, that, that we would, would be a witness uh, to people in, in these really, really hard circumstances. I thank you for brothers and sisters that have opened up their homes to people that have had to evacuate or, or found different ways to, to be a blessing. Jesus, would we just so care about loving people for your name and, and for your glory, God. Jesus, we love you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Again, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad we, we got to uh, have our service in this way. I'm hoping and praying that very, very soon we can uh, be together uh, in person. Have a great Sunday.